0: Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK.
1: Yo, what's happening, Rush Nation? It's Thursday and I can only mean one thing. It is the flagship show. It's round about seven o'clock UK time. Sorry for being a little bit late. That tardiness is on, on my part. And as per usual, I'm joined by the big man himself, Murph. How are we doing, brother? Another week, a whole week on from last week's show. Still so much to get into. You good?
2: I'm, I'm good. Constantly improving. Um, I put my watch on, activity watch. I've managed to do 8,500 steps today, which uh, is a massive improvement on what I could do even a week ago. So, um, yeah, in continuing to improve in health, um if i got drug tested by the nfl i'd be due a PED violation so uh only for another week or so i come off the roids uh tomorrow's my last day on the roids so um yeah i'm looking forward to getting off those and um that'll be the next stage of of my recovery to see how i continue to do on less medication but so far so good man um every day i get a little bit stronger i get a little bit better um I can't, I can't complain uh, I can't complain at all so I'm looking forward to getting into this because um, yeah we did a lot of stuff last week a lot of it wasn't planned and uh, <laughs> got some really awesome reactions to it about um, group thinking and then this need of consensus and following consensus and building similar teams to to other people who, who were competing against and following consistent advice Um So I'm looking forward to, to, I feel like we've dispelled a bit of that and given some advice, take some of the lessons of 2022, um, and then also going to cover this concept. It's something I talk about a lot, um, but something that I don't think I've either explained very well or people uh, are struggling to concept with, which is this concept of a vertical and horizontal board. So I'll get into that using um, my employer, Fantasy Pros' mock draft simulator. Other good mock draft simulators are out there, apparently. (laughs) And also, by the way... Oh, there you go. uh, I I would Um, like...
1: um, Hopefully there's others out there with these. Yeah, so if you're not watching, come over to YouTube again, hit the bell and like, subscribe, and then you get notified when either us or the Dynasty show goes live. Uh, Another good reason, because you're missing out on content. Because if you were listening, Murph just held his Listener League t-shirt up to the camera. It's looking pretty sweet, my man. Note on that, if you didn't receive your Listener League t shirt please do let us know, because there was some sort of issue with the postage where quite a lot of the labels appeared to have come off the parcel. Yeah,
2: mine did. Luckily, my my postie was intelligent enough to look at the uh, shipping label and deduce the postcode and the uh, number and said, I think that's yours.
1: So, when I went to the post office, it took the guy 45 minutes. I had 17 to send, 16 to send. It took the guy 45 minutes to process my 16 parcels. The queue behind me was The only way I can describe it, hellacious, because this guy was going so slowly. And when, if you haven't sent anything at the post office, you need to get a QR code printed behind the desk to put onto the parcel, as that's their sort of shipping stamp in case, instead of putting a first class stamp on whatever. And he was ramming the parcels into this bag so tight that I'm not surprised if everybody had another label on the back that was from the previous parcel, because it was just stripping the, I'm sure... It was stripping the labels, and I did ask him to be careful, and he said, "Oh look, I'm in a real rush." I said, "No, I appreciate that. Just you know, <laughs> these need to get to where they're going." So, I, I hope everybody has received them. I haven't had everybody say they haven't, and a few people have had they said they have. So, fingers crossed, they all got to where they needed to go.
2: Yeah, uh, I'll start uh, messaging some people later on in the week. I-, I literally got mine the other day, so give it a couple of days, and uh, yeah, I'll reach out. So uh, if you haven't reached out to me, you know where to find me Um, and we'll go from there. But yeah, fingers crossed. They're sweet. They're very good. Very comfy. Wore mine all day. Wore it on a work conference call. Someone commented, oh, that looks sweet. And I was like, you should enter the leagues. Can't now (laughs) because just to know all the listener league uh, entries for 2023 are full. I'm not doing any more leagues in 2023. I'm not starting any more leagues. So that is it. All the listener leagues are full. They're going to start drafting. First one starts Saturday, and I think uh, they're going to be sort of rolling starts over the next sort of week to 10 days after this weekend. So, um, yeah, looking forward to kick those off for 2023. Um, Thank you to everybody who donated uh, money towards Our charity partner for that, um, as well as also those who played in the FFCC and donated, uh, we're a little over £5,400 raised, which is a phenomenal amount of money. Um, Hopefully by the end of the FFCC, we'll get it to £5,500. That's kind of my goal. And then um, there'll be some uh, mid-season elimination leagues, which i do, which I did last year. Uh, hopefully we can raise another couple of hundred pounds. I think that'll be us for for the year, but phenomenal amount raised. Uh, I got an email from the charity today, really blown away by the generosity of all of you. So they say thank you very much.
1: Yeah. Bravo, Rush Nation and Bravo Murphy done the donkey work with that. So congratulations. Rush Nation, if you are an audio or a visual OG, you'll know that for oh, when was it now? Murph? La, two years ago. That Probably a couple of years met... ago. Yeah. We, we were lucky enough to be sponsored by manscaped, um, I'm pretty sure that if you listen to any form of podcast, you will have heard the adverts for Manscaped and their lawnmower series. And once again, Manscaped have reached out and they've asked us to advertise the lawnmower 4.0 on the flagship. So Beth and I absolutely said yes, because we received the product before. Uh, spoiler, not a spoiler, I guess. We, we do not have a second lawnmower 4.0 because we don't need an Edward Scissorhand situation where you've got one in each hand and you're just going bananas on the, on the body hair. But it, the, having a grooming process, Murph, I don't know, obviously, you have a beard. We regularly know that your beard was trimmed by the barber before lockdown. Did that, that obviously changed in lockdown. Has that process gone back to normal? Has your grooming changed at all since law um, lockdown? And is the lawnmower still? I'm assuming a regular part of your grooming process.
2: Yeah, I I use the lawnmower 4.0. I actually spoiler don't use it on the beard, but I do use it pretty much everywhere else. So neck hair, <laughs> um, neck hair, back hair, uh, and other parts of body, chest hair. Uh, not all my chest hair, just some areas that grow longer than others, and it's quite irritating and. Uh, other parts of my body, which I use, um, cause it's always good just to be in good Nick. Um, you want to look good for your lady, uh, especially, and you know, I, I like to keep things you can kind of tell I'm not a uniformed kind of guy, <laughs> but I don't like things to get too crazy, um, and get too out of whack. And especially like these areas here, which are on show, I always keep these quite tight. Um, I make sure I don't have straggled hairs because they itch and they're uncomfortable when you roll your head, you've got bits everywhere. And then the same goes with parts of your body as well. So, um, and also to reduce chafing. So you just want to look good, feel good. And I know, especially with my health challenges recently, that if I don't, if I don't look good, I don't feel good. And I haven't felt good for a while. So just doing those little habits of, of grooming do give you that sort of mental health boost and get, and make you just feel that little bit better and, especially when you're not feeling 100%, like I haven't been recently, or even if you are, it just gives you that whole 5%, 10% boost of feeling a bit better. And who doesn't want to look good and feel good? Absolutely. Confidence is key. Yeah. It, it really does help.
1: And that's where the Platinum Package, Lawnmower 4.0, comes into its own. It's the one-stop shop for the man who deserves it all. They designed this package to allow you to fully align your entire hygiene routine with Elite products. So that's head to toe, whether it be stinky feet bad scalp the guys at manscape have got you covered we haven't this is so fresh in the inbox murph and i actually don't have a code for this yet but we will be hitting you up quickly soon i should say not quickly with a code for a discount on the platinum package and i'm assuming murph is it just the platinum package do we know
2: or is it going to be on the lawnmower itself i think Gigi on all well? on all products over a certain amount there'll be a 20 percent off code
1: yeah 20 off and free shipping so when we get that code you'll have it that is the 4.0 lawnmower get involved keep yourself tight and right rush nation talking of tight and right let's finish off the 2022 lessons that we got from last year where did we get to because we went severely off piece real early where do you want to start today on this doc you lead off and then i'll follow yeah
2: i think we did running backs quite um convincingly i think we spent a long time talking about running backs and how they've become almost a value this year uh, from being overdrafted and people being scared. So I think it'd be pertinent to probably start with the, uh, let's wrap it up. It's just two. Um, <laughs> yeah. Let's do kickers. That's just lose the audience. The one thing I would say uh, just to wrap it up is, um, Running backs, people were too worried about some of the really boring choices, and I say boring yeah. in a nice way. Um, with Josh Jacobs, Mar Sanders, and David Montgomery. Uh, not sexy appeal players, but players that massively outperformed ADP last year. Mar Sanders was someone I talked about a lot last year. Um, as a player who my touchdown regression model absolutely loved, that he was someone who was going to regress back to the mean in touchdown. So that she would have been an RB2. Uh, The previous year, had he had the mean amount of touchdowns that we kind of expected? And that's what happened in 2022. Um, He rebounded nicely by regressing almost to the mean um, in touchdowns. So that's kind of my point that you have uh, these players who don't quite get their just desserts on points, but actually are worthwhile um, Josh Jacobs absolutely smashed ADP. It was, was almost a league winner for a lot of people with the way that uh, he put up big numbers. A lot of people didn't like it because the contract situation. He wasn't being given a new contract. His fifth year option was declined. People didn't think he was going to uh, remain with the with the Raiders. Um, he played himself into potentially more money. He hasn't quite transpired that way, but um, he, obviously the guy's playing for his next job, so he had that extra yep. incentive. And David Montgomery. Uh, had a very quiet but very sneakily good year um and these players that perhaps are a little boring a little um don't really excite just sort of average their four point three four point four yards per carry, but get carries are highly effective, so don't sleep on the quote unquote boring players um you know look at those as opportunities to to gain significant points if you get good ADP value on those, like uh, all three of those guys returned. David Montgomery was another player who I talked about last year as a player who was a significant value. Um, that's it, I think, for running backs. So I think we kind of done them to death. So,
1: I, I, Before uh, you write that off completely, Murph, two of those three players, Sanders and Montgomery, obviously new situations this year and their mm. ADP is still low. So it was low last year when we knew their situation. It's low this year when we don't know their situation based on We have no historical data to go on with their teams they're currently on. Are they still too low because of we know the production they are capable of doing or is there baked in worry because of the new situation?
2: It's a really good question. They're very different situations. Miles Sanders has gone to Carolina to be the lead back. Um, He's got a rookie QB, but he has very little competition for touches. Tuba Hubbard. Um, I like Miles Sanders at ADP I think he's a good value at his ADP currently um I think again he's a player who's severely underrated by fantasy players maybe fantasy players have been burned by him in the past and and don't like him but I look at the situation that he's in with the coach that he's in uh the coach he's got with Frank Reich who let's not forget a couple of years ago led Jonathan Taylor to an RB1 season um so we know that he does like he does value running the ball he um he does he doesn't mind using a workhorse back as we have seen? So I don't ha- I think Mar Sanders is a value at ADP. Um David Montgomery, I think, is a value at his current ADP, but it's a very different situation. He he's going to be behind Gibbs, we would assume. Um, but having said that, Jamal Williams was a very, very effective uh complement to DeAndre Swift last year. So we know that this current coaching staff have no problem running two lead backs. Um, the good thing about Detroit, so this Detroit offense likes to run a lot of plays. So effectively what they do, a lot of hurry ups, a lot of um, no huddles, a lot of time. Ty- they're basically, if you look at the amount of plays, offensive plays that they run in a game, it's right up there with the, the top teams in the league in terms of most plays run and the advantage of targeting teams that have those offenses that run very quickly Philadelphia. Uh, is, is another one. It's obviously more offensive plays, more opportunities to score fantasy points. Um, it's an underrated tool that people perhaps don't look at, is how many offensive plays do these teams run. But there is also a lot of chop and change in the NFL. Um, so you, you can only take this with a bit of a pinch of salt. But having said that, they because Detroit run a lot of plays, they will run a lot of short yardage plays and a lot of, in order to move the chains and to get this to go effectively. Because if you keep chucking the ball all the way downfield all the time, that takes time to move the chains or running uh, in completion and then reset the huddle and reset the line and go from there. So, you know, they will use both backs. Um, my, my thinking is that uh montgomery is going to be the downhill runner he's going to be the uh goal line back like similar to jamal williams i don't think he's going to get anywhere near the touchdowns jamal williams got last year but potentially he's someone who's going to get those goal line carries he's that sort of back so i do feel that there is good value of david montgomery at where he is especially if you're looking at a one rb approach in the first three or four rounds and then you're looking those later rounds to stack a few RBs and hoping that one or two of those elevates, he's not a bad option to do that. I don't think he's going to be an RB1. I don't think he's going to be a high-end RB2. I think you're looking at a 16-24 to 24 finish is kind of his upside. But considering you start two RBs and he's going in the eighth, ninth round or later in drafts, that's pretty good value. Uh, if we get a similar pattern of workload to what Jamal Williams was getting, but you have to adopt the touchdown regression in there. Um, based on last year's numbers, I'd say that um, Jamal Williams outperformed the touchdown number by just under six touchdowns. Uh, so he went, uh, that would put him from 17 to closer to 11. I don't think David Montgomery's in the 11 range, but I would put him in this sort of 8, 9, maybe 10 range if he gets a similar... Workload to Jamal Williams last year, so I think if you can get a guy that late who's on course for the sort of nine, ten touchdowns with uh, decent yardage totals, I think he's he's worth a worth a spin in a few leagues. I wouldn't be saying grabbing him in every league you can, but I'd be sprinkling and dabbling on him for sure. I certainly have yeah. in quite a few leagues.
1: I think you, you, you're spot on. I think in best ball it's an even better approach because hundred percent. If you're going one RB and then you're taking a later round dive on a few players, if you can get those players right, and like Murph says, we're not looking for RB1 production here because that's unlikely unless an injury occurs, that RB2 production, you can bounce around the, uh, the running backs you do draft later on, will pretty much not ensure, but there's a good chance you'll find RB2 production consistently by drafting a few later on. And with someone like Montgomery, if they do use potentially both backs at the same time on the field in a no-huddle situation. They've then got the option of Gibbs, Montgomery in, in the passing game or Montgomery on the ground game to gain their short yardage. And the, the more plays they run, the better it is. And like Murph said, it's, it's pretty much RB2 production it, it, unless something goes wrong. Those, those running backs, Murph, uh, are on new teams. We look back to last year, running back, uh, wide receiver-wise, sorry, the Alphas, they changed teams. You know, we saw AJ Brown in the draft Devontae Adams leaves Green Bay. Tyreek Hill is off to the Dolphins after falling out with the Chiefs and contract talks there. And we were we were potentially well not potentially but we did worry about production because of these new teams. Mm-hmm. And and guess what the the studs are studs regardless of where they play. Is is it was that a year an anomaly that year or is that something we should perhaps look to less worry about in, in
2: future years? So statistically, an anomaly. We've talked about this before on this show many years ago when you and I were in a studio together. We talked about this this misnomer that talent will prevail regardless, um, and we used many examples. OBJ when he went to Cleveland didn't do it. Um, there are many examples of alphas that moved that did not work. In fact, it was it was very rare that an alpha would move, and it did work. Last year, we got this unprecedented situation where you got three of the best wide receivers in the league all got traded at a very similar time, roundabout just before the draft, round free agency. AJ Brown was, drafted, uh, was traded on draft night, on, on the first night of the NFL draft. These are unprecedented situations. They haven't happened before. We've never had this caliber of talent move at the rate that they did. I was less worried about Devontae Adams. He was going to a quarterback he was familiar with. He kind, played with him before. There was always going to be less risk there with someone like Devontae Adams. But with Tyreek Hill and AJ Brown, there was absolutely risk here uh, with those two players, with quarterbacks that hadn't necessarily lit the NFL alight. Um, in their time, they were quite young quarterbacks. Still, are quite young quarterbacks. hadn't really established themselves at the time, and you know, Tyree Hill was moving on for Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Um. So you, we, we naturally thought there might be an arrow down from a volume perspective and also a velocity perspective because Tua Tagovailoa does not have the same arm as Patrick Mahomes. No, heck, no one does. There's not a slight on Tua in any slate, uh any state or form. So there was major concern on, on what Tyreek would do, and there was a small dip, not a huge one. But what he lost in, um, what he lost in air yards is what he gained in volume, and became a huge uh, target volume, and you know still put up wide receiver one numbers. AJ Brown just absolutely took off; was in an offensive situation, that absolutely suited his skill set. Jalen Hurts went on one of the largest growths from a quarterback year to year that we've seen in recent times and really elevated his play beyond, I think anybody's wildest expectations. Uh Um, So, but in both those instances, they, they definitely delivered AJ Brown, especially smashed his ADP. Um, So the, the question is talent should prevail. We haven't really had a majorly talented wide receiver. Deandre Hopkins is the exception to this. He's gone from Arizona to Tennessee. Personally, it's a better offense. Should get an arrow up if he's healthy and ready to do it. Do I think he's in the wide receiver one conversation? No, but I do think he's a wide receiver two. And I think it is ADP. He's kind of valued accordingly. I wouldn't say he's a value. I wouldn't say he's a reach. I think he's valued at what he can do. Um, But some people are reaching to take him, hoping he becomes that wide receiver one. I'm not sure I'm gambling on Ryan Tannehill will leverage situation enough to want to grab him too much beyond this cost. But I get it. If you're looking to try and dispel, uh, try and think of a wide receiver in that range that could smash beyond ADP. And you think it's that guy, then you've got to go get your guy, as we said last week. So, um, what about yeah. Calvin
1: Ridley, uh, on that, on that sort of vein of thought? Yeah, that's true. That he, he uh, yeah. It's a hard one. I kind of
2: forget ago. about Calvin Ridley because he's not played for two years. Um, yeah because it was the injury and then the betting um, situation where he was banned for a year. So it's kind of hard because he technically didn't move this year. He moved last year um, with the betting scandal. No, he didn't. Is that right? No, No, he he moved moved. this year. He He was supposed to move to Philly last year and then that got broken down um they were literally in talks and then the band came down and that ended talks and then that's why edgy brown went to philly um but calvin ridley was the guy that he were going to trade for Uh, and i have that on very good authority that that was what was going on um yeah so you're right he did move this year um yeah in terms of moving this year um yeah you would expect it's a hard again it's a hard one he's not played for two years at his adp he is a gamble. He's a gamble I, I like in certain leagues. Um, but he is a gamble because he's... Yeah, I mean, he could absolutely he could absolutely smash it. The talent is there. Two years out of the NFL is a long time. How And it's not just two years out of the NFL. It's two years out of the NFL with a new team, a new system. There's a lot of depth there. Um, but again, Doug Pedersen likes to get the ball downfield. He likes... Field stretchers. They've got a lot of talent. They've got Christian Kirk, who they paid a lot of money to. You've got Zay Jones, you've got Agnew. You know, you've got some real talent. You've got Etienne who'll be involved in the passing game. You've got Evan Ingram, Evan Ingram. who's just been paid. So, you know, you've got a few guys there who all have targets. So there'll yeah. be a lot to go around. There's a lot of mouths to feed, but I think Ridley will do will do well. I think it's it's a difficult one because of how long he's been out. And I think he's someone who I can see starting slow and then buying, you know, the London games and beyond, thinking absolutely smash it. But it also wouldn't shock me if he had a pretty middling low-end wide receiver two, wide receiver three season, just while he takes some time to settle into playing in the NFL again.
1: So my major concern with Calvin Ridley is his year off of playing football for his suspension isn't the same as a year off football when you're injured. Now, he wasn't allowed to the facility, I don't think he's basically been away from the game for the whole time. Yeah. But I then saw some footage of his training recently where have you seen the footage of him and Christian Kirk running the same route? Yeah. And Christian Kirk runs it, he hits his brake and cuts across, and it's it's decent. The footwork's good. And then Calvin Ridley runs the same route, and it's as if Christian Kirk was in half speed. Yeah. Calvin Ridley was it was Almost Pee Wee versus NFL mm. speed. And it was, it was mind-bendingly fast. So if Calvin Ridley has missed the step, according to that one video, and I know it's only one video and you shouldn't base any of your thing on one training video, but holy moly, he's still fast.
2: And he's still oh, in Oh, absolutely. But it, it takes time. And, it, and you've raised a good point there because you've got a player in, in Calvin Ridley who is significantly quicker than Christian Kirk. And that's going to take time for quarterback and wide receiver to get adjusted to that. When you're used to throwing the ball to Christian Kirk, uh, Agnew, uh, Zay Jones, these three guys are not rapid. They're not slow, but they're they're not breaking speed quick. And then all of a sudden you've got a guy who is a speedster. And I can relate this example, probably people are going to moan at this example, to when Deshaun Jackson landed in Tampa. And you end up having a guy like Mike Evans, big body receiver, wins a lot of 50 50s on the perimeter. You've got, um, you know, inside receivers who, again, very good receivers, not overly quick. Jameis Winston could sh- always struggle to find uh, Deshaun Jackson. Uh, he always overthrew him or underthrew him because they couldn't get the timing right on on the pay. Now, part of that was. The Bucks offensive line wasn't great. Didn't give James the time to really settle at times, um, and he lost his confidence. And then he just absolutely just you, James did what James does and threw a lot of picks. But ultimately, they really struggled to get on the same page. Uh, and there were times that James would overthrow him or underthrow him because he either overanticipated the pace or he under. And that's just that takes time to get used to as a relationship. It's all about tight. It's like dancing. You have to learn the moves of your partner, the cadences. And I think when you've not played for two years and you're out of that rhythm, that takes time to get going. And I think and – and then you've got to build that relationship. Ridley and Lawrence aren't going to have a lot of time in reality to get used to that. So I do think first few weeks of the season could be a little rough. I think the Jags might stick to what they know. I think, But I think they will bring Ridley along. And I think Ridley by again the London Games. I don't think it's gonna take long. He's a quality receiver. I think you're talking about, I'm talking about a month, four weeks, five weeks, maybe. But I think by then, guess the London Games, we can start to see Ridley really starting to break out and and put up some big numbers um, down the stretch.
1: Well, let's hope so for the sake of everybody going to the London Games. So we've talked about the veterans. Let's talk about the rookies and younger white receivers. Whilst they might start it slow. If the talent was there, then they're going to hit their ceiling. They're going to, you know, we've seen it with Wilson, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Christian Watson. This year's draft class with Jackson Smith and Jigba, Jordan Anderson, Quentin Johnston. I think I'm forgetting one. Um, do we think we'll see that sort of production again this year from the rookies coming in?
2: Never say never, but they've all fallen. Let's look at the situations. Garrett Wilson came into a situation where he was the, the clear wide receiver one. Uh, Chris Olave walked into a situation where he walked into one of the worst wide receiver rooms in the NFL and was the clear wide receiver one uh, when Michael Thomas went down. Um, Christian Watson moved into one of the worst wide receiver situations in the NFL where he was clearly the one or the two. Um, It wasn't going to take much to dispute that he was in a battle with Alan Lazard, who isn't exactly what we call a talent demon here. So, You know, those guys landed in absolute dream spots to completely crush it. This year, not necessarily the case. Um, So you look at it, so Jackson Smith and Jigba, I think for me, lands in the worst situation for this year of the rookie wide receivers um, because you've got Tyler Lockett and um, DK Metcalf, who... And I don't think that offense, it doesn't sustain three wide receivers. I could be wrong, but I don't see how that offense sustains three wide receivers. And I think because Lockett's on his last year, he's highly effective. I can't see, and also he's a very different type of receiver to um, JSN. Um, I don't see where Lockett's going to lose targets, truth be told. So I don't see where JSN gets these huge target numbers this year. Now, when they move, when Lockett, I expect Lockett to move on after this year. I think they'll retool that offense. I think DK Metcalf might change his role slightly. He's more dynamic than JSN in in those regards, more flexible. Then I think there's there's definitely a role. And they've drafted him for a reason. They clearly have a plan what they're going to do. I just don't see JSN being a huge... Grab for me and redraft this year. I don't see where these big numbers are going to come from. I don't see him taking too much away from Lockett. So he's only going to eat into DK Metcalf. Yeah. Um, and so I don't the think situation,
1: he... the situation with the others is pretty much exactly the same. You know, they've
2: got three wide receivers now. Mm, with the
1: Chargers, slightly um, different,
2: I would say, in the sense of let's go with the Chargers. The Chargers obviously have two. Great receivers in Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. This Mike Williams always goes down at some point, he's gonna get injured. <laughs> you know, it's almost a sure thing. Um almost but Quint sure Johnston is a very different type of receiver and Ke- and Keenan Allen's getting on a bit as well. These are the other factors. So I think it's gonna take a while for Quint Johnston to get going, but I think Quint Johnston will get going this season. I think you will see some numbers from him, especially as I said, when Mike Williams goes down. That's a horrible thing to say, but it happens every year, so you might as well start baking into it. Um, the one I expect to probably get going quickest is is Jordan Addison. Um, now, he's got this little issue with – say, little issue, I shouldn't belittle it uh, – with speeding, I believe. They're going to have to deal with that issue. and I don't know if he gets suspended for that, but I think after what happened um, with – Henry Ruggs, I think you're going to have to be a little careful NFL from an image perspective when you've got someone going, I don't know what he was going, 60, 70 miles over the speed limit. He was going a very significant amount over the speed limit. Um, Given what happened to Henry Ruggs in that accident, uh, that unfortunately two people lost their lives, and he's likely to go to prison for a period of time as a result of that. Maybe the NFL make an example, maybe they don't. There's another player who also uh, has been fined for speeding, this is something that the NFL are going to have to make an example of. They might not do it on Jordan Allison. They might just keep it as is. And if they do, then fine. But I don't know. I'm not sitting here with any intelligence that he's going to get a ban. But it's something to keep an eye on. Um, but he's in a situation where his competition for targets is Justin Jefferson, and that's it. Now, Justin Jefferson, as one of the elite wide receivers in this league, is going to get a lot of double coverage. It's going to leave Jordan Addison open uh, in quite good situations. You've got a, an excellent offensive-minded coach in uh, in O'Connell there, who has propensity to throw the ball more. You you know people are still in this mindset that Minnesota run the ball a lot. They don't. They, they pass the ball a lot more. You saw jo- uh, Justin Jefferson move into this semi Cooper Cup ish role, but slightly more advanced and uh, more vertical than than Cooper Cup runs. So they will need a complementary piece. And O'Connell was part of that um, Rams offensive coordinator. You know, when he's part of that Rams offensive and offensive coordinator, you know, he had weapons like Robert Woods, for example, and used them to great effect. Robert Woods was a very highly effective receiver uh, there. So I expect Jordan Addison to be, he's someone who's going to be capped as a result of Justin Jefferson, but I think he's going to be highly productive. Um, And that's an offense that can easily sustain those, both those wide receivers from a good volume perspective. So of the rookies this year. He's the one for me that definitely speaks of the most interest and the one that I'm more inclined to want a piece of, but at ADP it's a popular opinion. I think he's the highest rated wide receiver rookie off the board and rightfully so. So I don't think that any of them will probably smash what the guys did last year. But having said that, I think that, you know, Addison's in a good situation. Johnston's in a good situation at some point this season. JSN, I think, is more the dynasty play. Expect more out of him next year than, than this year.
1: This is the lesson then to not jump on what happened last year with these rookie wide receivers? Obviously, we all know their situation it is worse. So we shouldn't expect the same production. But recency bias, we all get involved with in, <laughs> in drafting. And when there's an option of a veteran, we know who production or these shiny rookies don't get concerned with what happened last year because of the situation. Choose the veteran. We know who situation is better, right?
2: Sort of. I I would say the other, the other piece on this is, is around the. Drew think in the moment is take wide receivers. They're safer. Uh, They're safer picks than running backs. Easier to predict, less volatility, especially in PPR. PPR eliminates the volatility of these wide receivers because you can just anticipate uh, volume hogs who are going to have very very safe floors. Um, So as a result, it becomes much easier to pick wide receivers higher up the board than ever before. Um, And there's a lot of very very good receivers. We're seeing drafts now where three, four wide receiver, five wide receivers are going in the first round in the last couple of years. And we've seen what has traditionally been up until probably 2020, rookie wide receivers taking a long time to get going. And now all of a sudden absolutely smashing it in their rookie years. And people are expecting the same again. I think at some point it will plateau slightly simply because of the highest, the high volume of receivers and the situations that, that they're in. As I said, you know, we're in a situation where this wide receiver is probably at one of the deepest it's been in history and, um, and at the same point with the wide receiver position, I think once you go past, and I said this last week, fifteen to two, uh, probably twenty, twenty-two wide receivers in, it really plateaus. So the difference between like the wide receiver twenty and the wide receiver forty is very minimal. It's very minimal. We're talking about twenty, twenty-five points over the season. It's not going to be a lot. Which, when you factor it over a game, it's less than. It's at most two points a game. Not even that. When
1: uh, when you think about it that way, then it makes finding exploiting the points differences at other positions even more important because when you, especially in leagues where you've got three wide receivers, once you get to that, twin, like you say, 20-ish mark and beyond to 40, they're all a much of a muchness. So mm. if you're, everybody's plugging them all in, you might as well remove that slot from everybody's roster because you know that, like you say, between, week, uh, between scoring on that week, it's going to be around two to three points. So if everybody's scoring that in their wide receiver three, you need to exploit that by getting a wide receiver two into your wide receiver three slot or excelling at
2: drafting elsewhere. Right. Either that or it, you know, pivoting in drafts. So looking at the other positions where you can exactly. exploit and get the value. So, for me, if you're in a, a league with three starting wide receivers, that starting wide receiver three spot will be much muchness unless you've either overdrafted at the top of the board or you've managed to find uh, an anomaly, a player that is going to smash ADP and smash its points value, which is very, uh, I wouldn't say common, but it's possible. Um, so I think for me, it's about where do you find value is, as you say, I, I would almost sort of write off that wide receiver three spot knowing I can get a guy three rounds later, who's going to produce a very similar sort of points value to where the consensus is taking their wide receiver, quote unquote wide receiver three. Um, and especially those middle round receivers, there's just so much of a muchness that I'm almost tempted to wait on that and then try and hit a guy late on. There's some real late, late round guys, um, Adam Phelan, for example is someone who could massively put, who could who could fall into that range as a wide receiver three given he's got very little target competition and um you know you're going to get him four rounds under five rounds under what maybe some other people's wide receiver threes are going to be and he's someone who'll fall in a very similar points range he might fall 15 20 points short ultimately it's just not enough of a points difference maker in a lineup spot. The only difference is if you've got some of those wide receiver threes who spike, those spikes might lead you to wins. Um, In this instance, I'm thinking of someone like maybe Mike Evans, uh, who's someone who can go, he could have a stat line of you know six for 120 and three or or 120 and two, for example, and have a huge spike, 20-point week, 30-point week, and then do nothing for four weeks. And that's something that Mike Evans does from time to time. Um, as opposed to drafting someone who might be like an Adam Feeling who might just put up a, you know, a, a six for sixty-nine kind of point uh, week, and then because of his history in touchdowns, you're banking on him getting in the end zone seven to ten times in the season uh, to elevate him into that wide receiver three, uh, high-end wide receiver three status. So, you know, those are the sorts of advantages where you could make a pivot play uh, and move on to someone else. Um, but you also have these other rookies that are really interesting, like Rashi Rice, like Marvin Mims, who have walked into very interesting situations. Uh, these second-round receivers are ones that are getting a lot of love in drafts, that are quite a way down in redraft boards, that I think fall into this exciting range of, if you're playing in a three-wide receiver league and you're sitting here and people are taking the Mike Williamses of this world and that sort of range of ADP of 50-60, the Mike Evans is Uh, who I think is a massive down value this year. Um, Mike Williams. um, Players in that sort of ADP range. Um, I exclude Tyler Lockett. I think he's a value, but that's the sort of range we're looking at. Uh, But there's a few others in in that sort of range, um, wide receiver-wise, that you could fade, potentially, and look at these guys like Rice, like Mims, um, where there are ambiguous situations, but you're gambling and you're hoping that these guys could potentially turn out. Like for me, both those guys are in situations where they could usurp what's on the depth chart. Um, you got to remember that Peyton isn't married to Cortland Sutton. He's not married to Judy. I think Judy remains the alpha. Um, but Courtland so, Sutton, I think, is someone who could be at risk of losing Uh, targets to someone like Marvin Mims Rice there's no one on that roster that I think is particularly nailed on to get high volume from a wide receiver perspective because they've all gone um you know Kadarius Tony injury prone hasn't really delivered his first round status in the NFL we're looking at the other receivers on that roster Sky Moore yeah he had flashes last season could be decent could be the guy that elevates out of there um but that situation's so ambiguous if you get the right guy in kc you're off to a flyer and it could be it could be Justin Ross who is a real late round sleeper and he's getting um, a lot of hype you know,
1: Justin Ross i'm no i'm thinking of uh, the other John friend, ross really John ross yeah he retired didn't he who just retired um, yeah talking of the the mim situation obviously uh, i follow a lot of bronco stuff on on social media and That is just absolutely flooded with reports that Judy's getting traded. And then Tim Patrick has just torn his Achilles and is out for the season. So Marvin Mims went from being drafted in the third round. Third round? Yeah, they moved back into the third to get him. Or end of the second. Third. End of the second. Uh, Did they move? Yeah, I think you're right. End of the second. But yeah, he was drafted. They moved back into whichever round it was to get him because Peyton clearly wanted his guy. Yeah, he was going to be behind mm-hmm. Sutton, Judy, Patrick, who everyone expected big things from, and lo and behold, he's injured again, bless him. If Judy gets yeah, traded...
2: End of the second, pick 63.
1: Well, there you go. This Peyton wanted him, and, and we went and got him. It's one of those things where, all of a sudden, Cortland Sutton and Marvin Mims, their ADP could massively, massively be cheap if Judy's traded and Patrick's injured. Because otherwise, there is no one else then and as bad as Russ was and has been today at practice, it, it's going to be one of those things where their ADP is so cheap because there's no one else. You, you, your mic is on, Murph. I can hear you. I don't know if Murph can hear you. He can hear me. Yeah. You're back in Sorry. the room. Love it. That's all right. Um, I saw you. Did you smash your mic over like some sort of warlord?
2: No, no, no. It just it just came undone.
1: I just saw it in your hand and thought you'd given it a good no, old the, cloud. The,
2: a, I uh, think the lead like, came yeah. slightly loose and it just muted everything. So, apologies. So, I didn't hear any no. of that either.
1: Um, I was just talking about how Mims' situation and Cortland hmm. Sutton's ADP value could be extremely cheap if there's no one else on the roster and they are pretty much the only two wide receivers.
2: Yeah. And this, this is what I mean. So, again, you know, I think there's so much value at wide receiver late on. I mean, you got guys like Mac Hollins who are being un- who are being undrafted, who I think is a huge value. Someone i will be taking in the last round of every redraft if I can, because he's wide receiver too. There's no competition for. He- he's facing competition from Kyle Pitts, who hasn't really smashed it in the NFL as of yet, and Drake London. So he's gonna get a role? He's smashing it in. Um, he's smashing it in in preseason in camp. He he looks good. He's got no competition behind him. They literally, if you go and look at the Falcons' depth chart, it might be one of the worst depth charts in history. Um, there's just, there's just so many. In fact, I'm going to put it up because I've, I've got to read you the names. Um, it's just dreadful. Um,
1: For all aboard Bijan, right? Let's get that running back in the first round and not build on the roster.
2: <laughs> well, I think they've done a decent job. I I quite like their roster, especially especially on the um on the back like defensively, they've definitely improved. These these are the players that they've got at wide receiver. Okay, so you've got Drake London, first round pick last season. Fine, Mac Hollins is going to be the starting um right sided wide receiver. They've got Scotty Miller, who used to play on the Bucks. Uh, he was a late Sacramento. He's the speedster. So he's the guy who's not going to get a huge amount of volume. He's almost like in that DJX, going to absolutely run uh, run the seam uh, and be your sort of deep threat, um, which is also what Trade London can do. So a bit of duplication there. The guys, this is the guys behind them. So Frank Darby, uh, Kadarial Hodge, Penny Hart, JJ arcega Whiteside. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, who knows what he is anymore? He's listed here as a third choice wide receiver. Um, Calarian Harris, Josh Alley, Slade Bolden. I mean, they, they, you're talking about here, and there's just no real pedal. You've got a Mac. I mean, Mac Collins isn't even a, a strong wide receiver, too. You're talking about Drake London and a bunch of guys. Um, it's like the replacements out there, it's really, 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 really thin at wide receiver. Um, so on when you come to that status of it, you have to look at it and say that Matt Collins is going to usurp. He's going to get volume because there isn't anyone else going to is it's going to get volume. This is, you know, this is, uh, you've had people like uh, Omelada Sikiris last year who was fantasy relevant for certain weeks, but they just kept rotating that position. If Matt Collins starts well, he'll earn some targets through the season. He's someone who in the last round could just be added some value. And if he doesn't, then you can just bin him. He's cost you nothing. Absolutely.
1: We spoke last week, Murph, about how for the first time in a couple of years, Travis Kelsey in the first round might actually be a hindrance to your team as opposed to to, to helping and being that star-studded all tight end. And whilst he is still that tight end you want, it is literally you draft him and build a team around him.
0: right at home go to pretty litter.com and use code ACast for 20 percent off your first order and a free cat toy terms and conditions apply see
2: site for details
1: or you just wait on tight end right now isn't it
2: yeah i mean there's still this case of people taking um mark andrews um but yeah i i still argue the case of these middle tight ends are really the ones that are going to cause you some problems if you continue to draft middle tight ends, you're better off waiting. There's enough guys late on who will produce, uh, value, um, because it is Travis Kelsey or, or bust really at tight end. That's what we said last year. That's kind of how it played out. Um, you had some really random names sneak into the tight end one conversation. The thing is, Travis Kelsey was so far ahead of everybody else at the position last year that he returned his ADP in his own right that way. um, He's going in the mid first now i i think the only challenge to drafting Kelsey is from a roster construction perspective. you get such a significant advantage at the tight end position you are going to lose a um you are going to lose a a spot somewhere else and i think that's you have to draft well uh and we'll get onto the vertical board horizontal board stuff soon. Um, but you're going to have to really smash your draft to really pay that off. Um, For example, if you started tight end, running back, running back, I think you're going to struggle. If you start tight end, wide receiver, running back, or tight end, running back, wide receiver, I think you might do okay, but then where do you get the quarterback? And You're kind of playing around behind everyone else to get that advantage at tight end, and it's going to have to really pay off for you in the other positions. You're going to have to nail those positions. If you're able to draft an RB1 in the RB1 slot, an RB2 in the RB2 slot, a wide receiver one in the wide receiver one slot, a wide receiver two in the wide receiver two slot, and you've got Travis Kelsey, and you can get a top five, top six quarterback, then I would say, yeah, you've drafted well, you're golden, you're in good spot. But typically when people do the Travis Kelsey build, they miss on the RB1 in the RB1 slot or the wide receiver one in the wide receiver one slot, and then they're behind the eight ball, and then you kind of relying on waiver wires and and owning the rest of the league in order to catch up. Uh, so that is the risk of drafting Travis Kelsey early. I'm not I'm not saying don't do it at all. Um I understand the concept, I understand the value of taking him um and I can advocate it as a strategy to a degree, but that you're just going to have to draft like a god. Um and really you're going to have to understand how your opponent's going to draft, you're going to have to be one step ahead. Because I think if you play to the rest of the board, I think you're going to be light in a key position. Uh, and you're also going to have to run good on injuries. You're going to need a lot of injury luck to go your way uh, in order for that to be a viable strategy. But I don't think, from experience, if I look at the leagues who won last year, I don't think many of them had Travis Kelsey on it. And again, that's not, not advocating it as a strategy, but you have to be aware that just because you're buying a significant advantage at a position. It is a position that has a low value. Yep. And at the same token, it's what you're substituting in the other positions and the net cost. And that's what people don't think. People think, okay, I've got Travis Kelsey. I'm going to have 150 point advantage at the tight end position, but you might be giving up a hundred points at the running back position. You think, okay, I'm still net 50 points up. But if your running back position starts to deteriorate because you're thinner uh, and you don't have as much depth and then you get an injury or two, then you're really in trouble. So, you know, I think you've got to think about what it costs and it's a significant cost to buy that advantage at the tight end position and you're going to have to find a way to offset that cost.
1: You hit the nail on the head, Murph. How long is it going to take you to summarise the points we have made in the last two podcasts, or do we need a trifecta of podcasts for a summary podcast on the lessons of twenty twenty two?
2: No, I think I think I can summarise it. The only thing I've not gone into too much is quarterback and um, offensive coordinator changes. So I can do those quickly. Quarterback landscape has changed. It's been changing the last few years. Um, the strategy has been to to take quarterbacks earlier. Um, because they do separate themselves. uh, And then there's a point where that starts to fall off. And those middle range quarterbacks didn't really pay out last season, unlike Joe Burrow. Um, This season, you've got Mahomes and Allen going in round two. You've got Hertz going in round three. You've got Burrow going in round four. You know, that's an expensive cost, similar to the Travis Kelsey scenario. You're going to have to massively outdraft in the other positions in order to pay those costs. And again, I'm not, not advocating it as a strategy. Um, I think drafting Joe Burrow in the fourth round is more palatable, more palatable than drafting Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes in the second round. Um, But I understand that people will want to do that. And, and I can understand, excuse me. I understand that as a strategy as well, um, of taking those quarterbacks being, having your locked quarterback, don't need to worry about a replacement. Um, you just need to worry about the bye week and, and the rest of it takes care of itself. There is, um, I think for me, those four guys are, are, are worth taking at their cost if you can work out the opportunity cost and pay and offset that. I think with Joe Burrow, it's significantly less of an opportunity cost than the others and therefore easier to work out and easier to do. But having said that, Quarterbacks might fall slightly later. If those quarterbacks fall into the third round, again, it becomes easier to offset uh, the cost of Mahomes, Allen, and, and Hurts. For example, the later they go, the easier it is to take those players. Um, the one player I would say outside of those four that I would um, be happy to take in the middle rounds is um, Lamar Jackson. We're talking about a guy who was a former QB one, former MVP. Yes, he's had some injury problems, but we know he's a cheat code. He has that Konami code, but he has that ability for those high-end finishes. Um, so we know he's someone who's worth his weight. He, he's going in sort of like the fifth, sixth round. I think he's huge value there. Uh, someone I'm happy to pay up for. Justin Fields going in a similar range, maybe a little bit actually earlier, depending on where you're drafting and the type of league that you're in. Um I'm less keen on Justin Fields, but again, I get the running ability, safe floor, put up decent points. So I can I can get that. I can get on board with him as a strategy. He's not a player I'm, I'm targeting too much um, because I think he's going slightly earlier than I would want, but um, I can understand people paying up for him for the safety and security at the position. Um, there's guys falling late. Uh, falling lower like Dak Prescott, for example, who has had okay but not great a couple of seasons. And then you fall into this range of much of a muchness. uh The Trevor Lawrences, the Daniel Joneses, Kirk Cousins of this world who all are good QBs in fantasy. They'll all do fine. They'll be your QB ones. um And that's kind of the the later round wait, you'll be fine getting one of those guys um But, you know, Kyler Murray's the interesting one because he's now at a significantly lower cost because he's likely to miss time. How much time? How do you factor that in? Is he someone that you take as a second QB if he's still available, given the fact that he might only miss two to four weeks and therefore you might have a QB1 production player at a QB2 cost? Um In a super flex option, he's definitely someone that's highly attractive because you're getting such a discount on him. You could end up taking your two QBs and then you've got Kyler Murray. So we don't know when he's back. There is a a risk baked into his ADP, but I think his ADP is extremely attractive to snag a player like that. So I think you're in this, this scenario of those first four names. You have to decide if you want to pay the cost. If not, I think Lamar is the guy to target as the next level um, and for some people fields and I get that. And then if not, I'm waiting on the position and I'll build a tier and I'll just take one of the other guys because they're a bit of a much of a muchness. You might get a separation of 30, 40 points. It's not enough to wait a guy two, three rounds over another guy. So I'd be quite happy to just take the risk and try and find a guy who might uh, outperform his ADP. So that's QB. Um, and I think people last year took too many of those mid range QBs moving up and they didn't pay out uh, as it should have done. So I think you either have to take the elite four at the position or look for the guys at ADP upside value or wait. Um, don't just think I've got to, there's don't think there is 12 guys at the position that are worth the value of the first four. I think there's a clear separation between the first four. Someone like Lamar Jackson who can bridge that gap, or the safety of someone like uh Fields, who I think is a top six QB, but I think he's the fifth or sixth QB, and you're buying the floor as opposed to buying a ceiling. But he could, he could smash it. I, I don't see it, but he could, but you could be buying that safe floor. I'm just going to take the mid range QB, he's fine, sit and forget, or you try and think of a, an alternative strategy and wait as opposed to just reaching on these. Uh, mid-range QBs and chasing the field. And the last one is is uh, OC changes. So, you know, one of the things that people don't factor in is uh, changes at offensive coordinator. Um, actually, let's probably do this in another show. Um, just because I think it's quite important and I don't think I'm yeah. going to do it justice in five minutes and I want to do the vertical board and horizontal board stuff. So I think actually it will give me some time to formulate opinions on the new OCs, the OC changes, and we can talk about offences that are attractive and unattractive based on these OCs. Because I think last year it was a very good indicator of um, offences that were going to be arrowed down. Um, Chargers, for example. Uh, You know, I had a feeling they weren't going to be quite as good uh, in 2022 as they were in 2021 because of that offensive core And they changed the Bills uh, losing the ball. Uh, it's another example, but they did it all right. But again, slight arrow down because of the level of quality that they've lost as a coach. And then who is going to elevate. And again, Packers with Hackett, etc. Uh, Versus uh who's going to take arrows up from changes to OC. So we'll do that in another show because I think that's quite an interesting topic and I don't think I'll do it justice in five minutes. Fair fair
1: enough. Are you going to be doing the board today? Or are you going to do that? In yeah, the show? I, can,
2: I can do that because I do think that's something I can do in, in five minutes. Just over five minutes. Um, <laughs> definitely no more than 10. So I, I definitely think I can do it. So we talked about this this concept of the vertical board and the horizontal board. And it involves tiers. Now, I'm going to use the Fantasy Pros website because or Mock Draft Simulator or Draft Wizard um, because I can do this very, very quickly. And it's an easy way for me to highlight uh, the difference in a vertical board and a horizontal board. Um, these are theoretical, but... I, if you've not listened to the show that we did with Michael Lombardi uh, former three-time Super Bowl uh, GM, he kind of put me onto to this concept because this is exactly how they draft in the NFL. They have a ranking of players by position and then they have a ranking and overall ranking of all players and then what happens is they formulate this vertical and horizontal board. So you have the vertical is by position. the horizontal is the ranking of all the players. Uh, combined, or the alternative, depending on how you do it in the NFL, maybe the hor- the vertical is the list of one to two hundred and sixty players who uh, drafted, uh, or two sixty three, uh, or two sixty four, and then the vertical or the horizontal is the by the positions. So you go through all the quarterbacks, all the wide receivers. Obviously, in fantasy football, slightly easier. Um, there's less positions to worry about. So just done this simple twenty twenty three uh, PPR um, twelve team. Going to draft from the 10 position, one QB, two running backs, three wide receivers, one tight end, two flex, just regular flex, no super flex, DST and a kicker, right? Murph, before you
1: click into this, I should point out to the people listening yeah. come and watch the video because Murph has it on the screen and is going to explain the process. If you only want to watch a little bit of the video because you have listened to the podcast, listen to the first hour of the podcast, then I'll head over to YouTube or anywhere else where you mm-hmm. can catch the video, jump to exactly an hour, because we are at one hour, 25 seconds, and that will draft you straight to the video that Murphy is going to explain. And trust me, it will be much, much easier to watch it
2: than listen to this. Yes, but I will try and explain if you are heavily reluctant to do YouTube, <laughs> so you can get, if you're listening to this in the cast, it does make some sense, and then you can go back and watch it later. All right, so just going to run the start, Uh, i'm not going to say all the picks because it's almost uh irrelevant right so we've had the first nine picks you can see travis cast actually come off the board um so now we're going to look at these position of tiers. so uh on the left hand side here it's the all button which literally has every single player ranked by fantasy pros ecl and they have here uh tier two tier three tier four so all the tier one players have gone um now, this is all. So this is the vertical board. This is how they're ranking every single player uh, in in fantasy football. But then what I can do is go to these horizontal boards. And what I mean by that is looking at it by position. So I can see here I've got three quarterbacks here. Um, my home's Alan Hurts. I can go to running back here, and I can see I've only got one tier one player here, which is Saquon Barkley. I've got wide receivers here. It's going a bit slow. Um, And I've got five players in my tier two. Diggs, Lamb, Brown, Adams, and St. Brown. These aren't my rankings. These are the ECR. Um, I've got tight ends. I've got two. I'm not going to go into kicker DST. So when I'm sitting here thinking of this from a value perspective for my tiers or the tiers of the ECR, even though the fantasy pros consensus is telling me to take Stefan Diggs here, by my tiers, I've got five guys in the same tier and I'm picking twice in the next five slots. So that is telling me that one of these guys is going to fall back to me, guaranteed. So if I've got them all in the same tier, is the value really taking Stefan Diggs here? Is that really the best play? Considering I've got Stefan Diggs, CeeDee Lamb, AJ Brown, Devontae Adams, and Amon Rousseau Brown as similar values, according Diggs, to this Diggs. list.
1: In tier two as well. And let me yeah. remind people that the only tier one player left from a skill position position uh, is Saquon Barkley
2: at running back. Well, and the quarterbacks. And so the quarterbacks, you, could, yeah. you could sit, you could sit there and go to the quarterbacks, but going back to running back here in my tiers, Saquon Barkley, well, in the tiers of the fantasy pros list, Saquon is ranked as the third best running back. He, for me, from a value perspective, appears to be the best value. So he's the guy I would select. Because he's the only guy in that tier one in that position. So now I come back to tier two. Uh, come back to my next pick, and there's four running backs in tier two: Nick Chubb, Derek Henry, Ramondre Stevenson, or uh, Josh Jacobs. But there's only two guys in the wide receiver tier, which is CD Lamb and Devonte Adams. Now the consensus is telling me to take CD Lamb. I disagree with that i'm going to take Devonte adams from my personal rankings even though this is slightly slightly different from the rankings of um the expert consensus so i'm going to take Devonte adams here because again you've got that um shortness of position so again it's using that horizontal board of value at the position so now we go back to the vertical board so, we've got three guys here in T4 and tier four, which is Smith, Higgins, Metcalf, all wide receivers. Okay, so that's interesting. Um, we can go via quarterback. All the tier ones have gone. So, uh, we're not looking at quarterback here at the 310. We've got two running backs here, which is Aaron Jones and Jamar Gibbs at tier three. Um, so, that's worth considering. Or, oh, I've got three wide receivers here in Devonta Smith. T Higgins or DK Metcalf or I can look at the tight ends I've got a huge tier so here I'm not even thinking tight end here I'm not thinking quarterback here so it's looking at is Aaron Jones a better value than maybe one of these three guys and this is this is a tough decision because you've got two guys versus three guys it's five picks you're likely going to get two of these players uh, at position I This is where my personal rankings would be slightly different. I wouldn't necessarily... The board here says Aaron Jones is a good pick here. I actually think T Higgins is a better pick here. He's the guy I would probably take. Um, So that's what we're going to do. And then we see what falls. And look, Aaron Jones is still there. And he's in a tier of his own. Or I've got DK Metcalf in a tier of his own. So now I'm sitting here. I've got one guy... uh, I've got one guy in each the running back or the tight end uh, running back or wide receiver position. The tight end position is stacked in tier as is the quarterback position. So, I think for balance um seeing the drop off in talent, I definitely think that Aaron Jones is the better pick here. So, I'm going to take Aaron Jones.
1: I would have I would have <clears throat> excuse me. I would have taken Aaron Jones first there because I think of the mm. I would have preferred to have Aaron Jones and then a DK Metcalf uh, hoping that T. Higgins... Ideally, I would have had Aaron Jones and T. Higgins of that, and the fact you went Higgins over Jones, you know, is a, a coin flip in which way you want to go safety, but the fact that Jones got back to you was pretty much the perfect situation there.
2: Yeah. And I think that's that's part of that is draft experiences I didn't think T Higgins had a hope of getting back. I felt yeah. there was a chance that Aaron Jones would get back. Um so that's why we've gone there. And this, now we're into the the late fifth. So now we've got this tier of quarterbacks here Justin Fields, Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence. I don't personally have t- Trevor Lawrence in this tier. So I've talked about this safety bit of justin fields i actually haven't talked about justin herberts he's someone that i uh quite like uh significantly so there is an argument here to look at quarterback we look at uh so if we look at the overall board there's a huge tier of tier four of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, like ten players but if we look at the actual uh horizontal side the three quarterbacks we've got three running backs in connor mattison and white uh, we've got five wide receivers here in Lockett, Johnson, or six. Kirk, Pittman, Brown, Evan. Em- I don't understand Marcus Brown is that high up, or Mike but Evans, they, to be honest.
1: I can't quite see that, Murph. Are they tier five at this point? In the wide Tier receiver?
2: five at this point. Um, tier four running backs, tier five wide receivers. Um, and we've still got all those tight ends. So again, uh, tight ends in easy position to punt here. Um, unless you 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 have Kittle as a significant up on all these players, which I don't. Um
1: would, would this it's... must be a point to look at the board and <clears throat> excuse me, quarterbacks. If we were thinking quarterback here, but the two teams after us already have a quarterback, this would yeah. be a good time to take a position that isn't a quarterback right, because then one of the quarterbacks should get back to us if they've both got a quarterback.
2: So both these teams need quarterback after us. So that's a very good point. So we look at the board these teams need quarterback neither of these teams have drafted a quarterback. So if we do value Fields and Herbert over one of these over uh Lawrence for example and we let's say for example we only had Fields or Herbert in this field then Fields would be a really good pick here at 510. Um, alternatively, we could gamble and see if they want to wait. But looking at the depth of position, it's likely one of these running backs will come back. It's certainly guaranteed that one of these receivers will come back and one of these tight ends. So, yeah, I think based on what you're saying, with the needs of quarterback here from the two teams behind and the likelihood that they could take them, I would say that Justin Fields is someone who's worth taking here.
1: Yeah, I think the play for us here is Justin Fields here and then hope Deontay Johnson gets back to us in yeah. the next that would be my so, play
2: so deontay johnson went Waller went kirk went white went so now we're done at quarterback we have two running backs here in james connor and alexander mattison we have four wide receivers here in lockett uh Pittman, uh brown and evans and we have a ton of tight ends still still five tight ends Now people will be screaming here saying you should take George Kittle or Carl Pitts. (laughs) I still think all those are much of a muchness. I'm quite happy to, uh, at the position. I would say here, probably looking at Tyler Lockett, I would say he's pro. I think here you could go either way. I could, I could take the argument of James Connor being slightly over these players that are falling behind, um, At the same token, we've only got two starting wide receivers if and you know, we still got another starting slot to go. Be quite nice to get Tyler Lockett as a three because I think he outperforms and that's
1: another good point. Because it's three wide receivers, we should fill our squad here with what we know is 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 value at this point, rather than taking another running back for our flex when we need the wide receivers. And I think I think even David Montgomery or someone like that might come back at the next round because we know people are sleeping on him.
2: Oh, I think people like Kamara, Montgomery, Pacheco. I think all those players come back easily. Javante Williams, who we've just received news, is going to play this preseason. So I think all those... (laughs) Well, I think some of those are going to come back. So anyway, I think we take Lockett. And then we see we'll see what comes off the board here okay so it's good there was a massive wide receiver run here so we were right here so in between when we picked uh let's have a look one two three four five eight wide receivers came off the board so we were 100 right because now we look at wide receivers so let's go back to the the vertical board uh we've got a huge tier of Eight players, nine players to pick from. But look at the wide receiver tier. It's huge. There's 11 players in this wide receiver tier. We go to the running back tier. Again, also huge. We go to the tight end tier. Thin. Two tight ends. Pat Friamouf and Evan Ingram. Now, having said that, one of the two teams behind us has picked a tight end. So we can wait one more round on tight end and go tight end next. Um, if we've got both these guys pretty equal in our tier. uh, And they're still tier two, so we should be happy with either one. We know that um, one of these teams is not going to pick a tight end, so we can wait, pick up the last tight end, uh, or have the choice of both. So now we have to think, do we want to pick one of these um, huge list of wide receivers, or do we dip back into the running back market? As you mentioned, David Montgomery's fallen back. Isaiah Pacheco has come back to us. James Cook has come back to us um i think for me in the tier those three there's DeAndre Swift he's not someone i'm too keen on um but maybe at this round he's actually quite a good value um because he's probably the lead back in a committee in philadelphia so i i i would say probably swift here is actually not a bad value um i'd probably advocate to take him
1: interesting of the of montgomery and swift i would prefer montgomery based on what we saw from the Detroit running backs last year, I'm not, and like we spoke about mm. earlier, his touchdown aggression will come, that Philadelphia running back committee scares the bejesus out of me.
2: Well, he did well for Mars Sanders last year. Uh, I suppose. I suppose.
1: I, I And would, I think they I'd...
2: traded for him, so there's some value in him. I don't think he's an RB1, but I think he's a very safe RB2. And we're getting him in the 7th, the late 7th.
1: Okay. So I quite uh, like I'm... the value you get here. I would be happy with either so I will go with your rankings genius over mine on this one.
2: I also think yeah we go. So Montgomery went, Smith went, Daniel Jones went, Quint Johnston went and so we actually still have the choice of tight ends. Um I'd be comfortable to pull the trigger at tight end here because we've got a ton of wide receivers in the tier, got quite a few running backs in the tier. Um I'm quite happy to go with uh, free move for Orton Ingram. I haven't ranked pretty similar. The consensus hasn't ranked pretty similar. Um, I
1: would, if of the two, I'm going Ingram purely that he got paid.
2: Dappy, not going to get an argument with me there. So we go Ingram. So now we see what comes to us in the late ninth round. So we don't need to worry about tight end. The vertical board literally has one player in a tier here, which is Deshaun Watson, which is a bit uh, it's not a move for us given we already have uh a quarterback so if it's yep. not a player we want then there's a huge tier eight on the vertical board running backs here we've got a tier of six players wide receiver we've got a much bigger tier of eight nine players tight end we don't really need to look at so, so with
1: the running backs Murph with people who aren't looking is that tier what tier is that is that tier three tier five tier five
2: running back tier, tier, five. Five running oh, back, tier seven wide receiver because again okay. you got to remember it's more wide receiver starting slots and more wide receivers are coming off the board absolutely absolutely so but... if we think of our team we have we've pretty much filled our starting slots and a flex so um you know we've got one more flex to fill um but all the starting main starting slots are gone so we have to look at this now and think we have uh, this running back we already have three running backs in a two running back slot we don't have any cover at wide receiver but i'm looking at this tier And for me, all these players are very... Except for the ones near the bottom, I think like Sky Moore, Darnell Mooney, uh, Adam Phelan. I think some of these guys are massively overranked from rankings. um, And I think some of these would be a slight reach for me. If you're looking at like the ADPs of these players, like Darnell Mooney has an ADP of 163. um, Could be deemed a reach. Sky Moore is a reach of 157. Um, So these players should be expected to come back. We can look at the teams behind us. Um, the teams behind us have drafted uh, full complement of wide receivers. Um, so they've got three wide receivers, so they could go uh, another one. Uh, this team has drafted the three wide receivers. Um, and then it's the two in the flex. So we could look at actually what they've picked. Um, so if we go to these teams, the team behind us has got five wide receivers on their roster um as has the other team behind us. So likely because they've got five wide receivers already, they could go a six wide receiver. I think a lot of these guys could come back um, and running back could be a position here that they're likely to take some backup at, or I would expect in the case of um, team 11, they'll take uh, Deshaw Watson because he's the value on the board here. And then if we look at tight end, uh, is there a tear break at tight end? Uh no. So you might see a tight end come off the board here. You might not. I think I am looking at this board, I would say someone like AJ Dillon or Brian Robinson Jr. would be the two. I don't think Antonio Gibson is the lead back in Washington, so I'm a bit scared to take him here. Do you not I would think say...
1: Herbert is the lead back in Chicago? Uh
2: no, I think it's Done to Foreman personally. <laughs> but I could be wrong. That's a personal choice. Yeah, I just think you don't go out and sign Deontay Foreman if you if you're if Khalil Herbert's the lead back. So, so P Ryan's interesting. I don't think I'd take him here. Especially I think
1: news. I think Brian Robinson's the play for me
2: here. Yeah, I'm happy with Robinson. I could have been swayed onto onto Dylan, but uh, yeah, because I do think they'll go to Dylan more. So, as expected, the quarterback came off the board. Actually, the run on running backs came here. So, actually, we didn't. Only one wide receiver came off the board. So that was good news for us because we still got the pick of everyone we want other than Sky Moore. Um all these guys are deemed an ADP reach. However, looking at our squad, we should probably ignore the fact it's an ADP reach and we should look at the wide receivers here that we that we that we want to take. Um and strengthen the squad further. I don't think we need tight end. I think we're pretty set of running back for a bit, unless you, we have a strong feeling that actually AJ Dillon's good value. We can go five running backs early, but I think that's probably a bit heavy. Um, having said that, is the value at wide receiver here, even though this is a huge tier? Are these, as we said earlier, these guys are all a bit of a much, of a much mind you, I'm looking at the next tier. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, there, there is a little bit. I'd say for me... Mooney or Phelan. I'm not really feeling the rest of them. I think the rest of these yeah. all fall into a bit of a much of a muchness. You him, I, I like Zay Jones, but he's the three. Nope, He'll definitely. get some work, but I don't really want him as our wide receiver four. I think Mooney but, or Phelan outperform ADP. I, I think Phelan outperforms ADP based on his yeah. pure red zone
1: capabilities. And that, that would be for me.
2: So this simulator is going to tell us off as a huge reach. Um, I don't really care. Uh, <laughs> I still think he's decent in that range. Um, so, right, we go to the vertical board, five players in the vertical board. Of these five players, four of them are quarterback. Um, one of them is Titan, end David Njuku. Um, I don't think we need quarterback here. Um, we've got our quarterback. Um, there's a huge running back tier, McKinnon, Mitchell, Akane, Wilson, Singletree, Algier, Mo- uh, Mostert, uh, Warren, Foreman's there, Miller and Gainwell. Wide receivers, there's one player in tier, which is Michael Gallup, uh, tight end. There's one player in, well, there's a couple of players in tier actually. Uh, Njuku, Schultz, Dolcich, and Conk Crew, Higby, and Kameh. It's interesting that on the overall board, Njuku is a tier above. Uh, every other tight end, but in the tight end tiers, he's in the same tier as everyone else. <laughs> I don't quite know how that works. Um, but anyway, I would I would advocate for Gallup here. Yep, fine. He's in a tier on his own. The value yep. is to take Gallup here as our wide receiver five. Uh, so now we've got this huge tier of wide receivers. I mean, it's, it's still more it's a huge tier of 21 players. <laughs> and this is what I mean by much for much as a wide receiver. Yep. Um, I wouldn't have a 21-player tier, personally. Running back tier is significantly smaller. The end tier has got five players in it.
1: Could um, we be the- looking at the... Oh, no. Uh, the, I was going to say the New Orleans rookie, but Jamal Williams is there based on the news that Anthony yeah, has good receiver suspension.
2: So the vertical board has four quarterbacks in a tier of their own. Um, I don't think we need to take a course back here um, given that we've got fields. Um, so we look at running back. We've already got four running backs. We've got five wide receivers. Um, yeah, I mean, you could kind of toss up which way you want to go here. There isn't anyone that's screaming at me as a... I mean, if I'm sitting here... I, I could make a case for Donta Foreman as I think he could be the starter. Um, I don't
1: concern with Donta Foreman as the starter is we already have Justin Fields, and do we want to tie ourselves too much to the Chicago run game with a running back and a quarterback? Well,
2: they're more um, likely to he... run the ball than throw the ball. Okay. That's, well, a, let's, that's let's, how let's I would advocate you. it. I, you could, I could make a case for Dalton Shorts as a second tight end, but uh, I think it's a little early for a second tight end, but I could argue that case. Um I don't feel that great about Jarek McKinnon. I think he's in line. I wrote about him for significant touchdown regression. Uh, I think he's due three or four touchdown regression this year based on his usage. I don't feel good about Eliza Mitchell from an injury perspective, and he's a two. I don't feel good about Hunter Renfro. I could, I could make a case for Foreman. I could make a case for, if I'm looking at this huge wide receiver tier, if we wanted to go there, Robert Woods is the one uh, in Houston. I could make oh, a case poor for
1: Collins, for Nico I... Collins.
2: Yeah, I don't think Nico Collins is the one. Um...
1: Well, seeing as it is what well, a three-wide receiver, and you think he's going to be the one, let's take your boy Robbie Robbie Tree. But I think he
2: comes back. If you look at well, how many guys are ranked above him, I I would say, well, I'd say both Foreman and Woods potentially come back. But I think you can yeah. go either way.
1: Okay, well, let's go Foreman Woods. That would be my my play here.
2: So let's see what happens. Yeah.
1: Come on, Woodsy.
2: So Robert Woods did come back. Um, the Fantasy Pros consensus hates it, which is great. Um, <laughs> this is about going against groupthink. So we've done this magically in this draft. Uh, Kenneth Gainwell was in a tier of his own. Um, but given that we've got Swift, I'm not too keen on taking... Um, his no. third backup or second backup behind Penny, so I don't
1: think we deviate from the plan here, and I think we just punch Robert Woods. No, I'm with you. See, what yeah, I see
2: yeah, see, but we got uh, we got told off by Fantasy Pro saying he'd be there two rounds from now. Uh, I already... don't really, I don't really yeah. care because we're looking at how we're building this team. Uh, we've got three picks, three picks left. Um, we don't have a backup quarterback, which I'm actually quite comfy with given the fact that we've got a, a set-and-forget QB with a 13-week buy. So I don't feel like we need to take another QB um, because we'll pick one up the waiver wire. I don't think you need to worry about taking a second QB. If, if Fields goes down, you're dead anyway. So, And look, look at the QB still on the board. Prescott, <laughs> two uh, cousins. I mean, I might change my mind if these guys are back and punt kicker. Um, but I think we're in the range now where we can consider... Is there's, there's literally if we look now at the horizontal, so the vertical board has still those four QBs. The horizontal board has the Dallas Cowboys DST in a tier of their own. That's an interesting play. Two rounds out. Um, we could look at uh, another wide receiver, there's a huge tier to pick from. I don't know if it's, everyone's there rated at like one percent. They're all like most of them are likely to fall back to us. Um, we do have quite a lot of picks before our next pick. so uh, or, t- or, we, or we can go tight end. We don't have a backup tight end, so someone like Greg Dulcich here or uh, Chig. Depends how you feel about Tennessee. Um, I think both those guys could be a decent uh, play. The only thing we've got to worry about is bye week because Evan Engram's got all night, a week nine bye and Greg Dulcich has a week nine bye. I, quite so, like, I like a Conqueror here as our second tight Yeah, end I'm quite happy to punt. I'd, I'd rather have him over Higby uh, as yeah. our backup because sure. I think let's shoot for the moon. He could be amazing. I'm okay with that as a backup tight end. So I think we, we snag him here. So we take Chig. And then, again, using the vertical horizontal board, uh, if we wanted to go... So if we look at quarterbacks here, Tua, I tell you what, Two is interesting here because I think he's significantly better than Rogerson and Goff. Um
1: yeah. And we uh, could
2: punt and we could punt kicker and just take a DST. We got we've got five DSTs in the same tier, which is Chiefs, Steelers, Saints, Dolphins, Bengals, and we're picking in five picks.
1: Yeah, I, I'm quite happy to go to here and, and play the upside.
2: Yeah, I think if something happens to fields, you've got two, then you're not your season doesn't tank. We can punt kicker, not take one. The simulator's is going to hate it. I don't really care. I'm not really caring about what the grade's going to kick out here. Um, Chief Steelers or Bengals, this is the easiest decision in the world to me. I'm keen to hear what you say before I, I select
1: of those three DSTs. Yeah. Oh man. I feel like the answer should be blatantly obvious, but yeah I, I don't know it. Um, gosh, are, are we taking this purely based on week one matchup or?
2: or... No, I, I'm taking this based on historical rankings of a, this team is always consistently up there, um, in in historical rankings from a DST perspective. I look at Surely consistency.
1: It's, it's, it's got to be the Steelers here, then. Hundred
2: percent. Okay. I'm um, just going to see. I know last year they weren't particularly great. because um, TJ Watt was injured? Well, I, I still don't think they were bad. I'm just looking up historically where they were. So last year they were uh, 16th. Not a great year for them. Year before, oh sorry, that was 2021. 2022, they were. 12 20 uh, 2020, they were second 2019 uh, second 2018 12 so four Steelers. four top 12 finishes in the last five years there's the Chiefs and the Bengals not always the case let's take the Steelers we're going to get a really bad ranking oh hey mind I'll take that 92 out of 100 I'm taking that all day long, especially as we haven't taken a kicker.
1: Yeah, <laughs> there you go. That I'm all right. How, with it. That's how a vertical and horizontal board gets you an A
2: minus on fantasy pros. Well, season. also right. I, I just want to I want to go go through this group. thing, right. Let's look at teams that drafted again. We've gone well over. I thought this might take ten minutes. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: but no one's really followed this only us and team 12 but uh, the last three teams actually followed the same strategy two running backs and a wide receiver um no one else followed that uh got a couple of wide receivers uh a couple of running backs so two wide receivers running running back each uh each of the first the last three teams um you got a couple of teams that didn't take wide uh, running backs till like the fifth round. You got a couple of teams that just smashed wide receiver or tight end. Um, you got teams that took lots of running backs. So the good thing is, there's a good spread here in terms of what teams did. I feel like we have got good balance um, in our team. I feel like that's why we've got a pretty decent um, got a pretty decent score. So I'm quite happy with what we did. 92 yeah, out of 100 yeah. without a kicker which will score us down quite significantly um hey, look
1: we've got the second best
2: team uh, according to
1: the rankings here and...
2: yeah we're not far off first and again i think because we didn't take a kicker um so yeah i'm i'm quite happy with that um Matt Harmon likes our draft Derek Brown hates our draft. If Derek Brown hates our draft, and I love Derek, he's a good friend. Uh, I'm all right with that. <laughs> 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 Matt Harmon likes our draft, so I'm all right with that. So, yeah, cool. I, and that, that's the horizontal and vertical board. We've, I think we picked some good players. Uh, we picked a decent team. But I think we showed, more importantly, why you do the horizontal and the vertical draft and why you do all these separate um, tiers. And if you want to know how to do tiers, you can do tiers without doing rankings. Um and happy to go through an episode where you do that if you're struggling with with rankings and how to do it so there you go I hope that was useful absolutely i think it was massively and it if, was 30 minutes which to, i wasn't expecting
1: if you want <laughs> to come over for a five minute video then you can head over to youtube for pretty much a half an hour <laughs> how to i think because i was
2: trying to make it audio friendly as well by giving as much detail absolutely i you might do a what? shortened five minute video on it in the future
1: well, we will see. We will see. But it, it, I think it worked well. I think it worked well. That is going to do it for today, Rush Nation. We will be back with uh, offensive coach changes because Mur thinks that that's very important. There's some news coming back in. Caesar, Dan Campbell sees the Lions backfield as a two headed monster. Tell us something we didn't already know,
2: Dan. <laughs> uh, Good. Um, he's, he's listened to the pod. He's like, oh, these guys are talking up David Montgomery. Oh, got See? Me and Campbell
1: we're yes. like this. We love We're in. this. We are in. Rush Nation, if you fancy supporting the podcast, head over to patreon.com forward slash five yard rush. There's a few tiers over there. If you want to throw some coffers into our pot to help the pod move forward, we would massively appreciate that. And Don't forget, we are sponsored again by Manscaped. So there will be a code for 20% off and free shipping coming very, very soon. If you want to get yourself the 4.0 lawnmower and keep that body trimmed to the max. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Fiverr. Rush. You can follow Murph at Murph underscore NFL. The NFL is in capitals. I don't know if that makes any... It's not Twitter anymore. It's X or some absolute BS. It's on over. X.
2: Yeah, can't call it the Twitter machine anymore. It's the uh, it's the, X the X-rated, X-rated machine. It's all sorts of wrong
1: in itself. And um, yeah, that's it for another week. We'll be back next week. Murph, same time, same place. Thursday night, you take care of yourself. Rush Nation, as always, don't forget, keep rushing.